Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and I have Francis Simowitz with me today. Francis, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you, Kevin. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. So I've already missed her geographic location by practically as far away as you can miss it. I was guessing New York City, and she is currently in what, the southwest part of this of the U.S., right, down in, in Arizona? Yeah, I'm down in Arizona. I'm normally in New York, but I've decided to be a very young snowbird and fly south for the winter. <laughs> what a great move. And so just for the rest of our listeners, since you and I have had a chance to kind of chat offline here, introduce yourself as if, if you and were meeting our audience at a networking event. Yeah, so, um, so I'm Francis. I'm the CEO of Weave Acceleration. Um, we support international startups with U.S. market entry. Uh, we also work with a lot of governments and corporates from around the world as well to help them access innovation and opportunity in the U.S. market. And this is only international businesses or do you actually work with U.S.-based businesses as well? No, we only work with international businesses. So everything in the world that's not the U.S. Like we've worked now with over 25 different nationalities from around the world. So our startups come from everywhere um, except for the U.S. <laughs> also, all of our governments, um, our international governments primarily, um, and also corporations. Um, so when we work with a corporate, like we run learning expeditions for Google France and Google EMEA. Um, and we've done, um, right now we're actually working with a European pharmaceutical company to help them open an innovation hub in the U.S. So everything is international. So nobody, nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to open up a, an accelerator for international businesses wanting to enter the U.S. market. I am curious what that origin story is. Um, so naturally, I studied uh, music education and opera. <laughs> a perfect so, path to international business. Totally <laughs> makes sense. And business in general. Um, yeah, no, I, it was, you know, I kind of had a, an interesting path to get here. Um, you know, so I majored in as I said, music and opera. Um, I really loved music and opera growing up, um, especially because I, I loved choir. And choir is like a community of people collaborating at once to create something beautiful. Um, and as I you know, was studying in college, like really the, the path there is to have like a solo career. Mm -hmm. um, and I fell out of love with it because there's a lot of like ego and yeah. um, you know, the, the mentality of like, your success means my failure um, type of, of things. And I really wanted, um, you know, and I missed the things that I actually originally fell in love with about music. And so I um, left that field and spent some time trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So I was a nanny on the Upper West Side. <laughs> and I, um, you know, I had this moment where I was watching the kids on the playground and, you know, I would spend a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do next. But I had no idea. Um, and I, I had this moment where I was like, oh, I can do anything. Like I'm a big kid now and I can play all the big kid stuff. Like I can go down the big kid slide. And like, you know, the only thing limiting myself from like doing a new path is me. Um, and so my, my um, ex-husband worked in startups and technology and I, I saw how collaborative they were, um, the energy and the excitement towards what they were building. Um, and I was like, I think I want that. Um, and I had spent a lot of time reading about you know, marketing and different career paths. I was like, should I be an astrophysicist or 
go into marketing, very different. <laughs> I'm like, unfortunately I don't like math. So um, <laughs> physics was out um, and- <laughs> Eliminate I, that choice. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, although there's a lot of math as a CEO too. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> Um, and so uh, I ended up finding a boot camp. Um, so it was an educational boot camp that was actually um, built upon the same model of acceleration. It was actually founded by uh, the managing directors of Techstars Boston called Startup mm -hmm. Institute. Um, and I went through that program. So I went through an accelerator myself and it absolutely changed my life. So it was eight weeks. Um, it was uh, a combination of like practical knowledge that was taught by industry experts, which is very similar to accelerator curriculum. Um, and really introduces you to a network. And so I was able to get a job in tech and startups after that. Um, and that changed my life, got me really passionate about accelerators. I later went to actually work at Startup Institute and help run their accelerator, mm. um, which then led me to uh, NUMA, which is now Weave because I've bought it. <laughs> but uh, NUMA was opening, they were a French accelerator, had been around for like, 20 years. They were the first accelerator in France. Um, and they were looking to open their New York office. And so I joined the founding team for the New York office. Um, and I've been there for the last five years. And in July, I acquired the U.S. subsidiary and we just rebranded to Weave Acceleration. So the connections, I'm obviously the, with the French, you know, accelerator that, that your incubator that you were working with or for, I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of the international connection that, that kind of drew you to that space initially. Yeah, you know, I honestly, when I took the role at NUMA to open their New York office, you know, they had eight locations around the world. And so that was kind of my first actual international business experience. Um, and it was really exciting because it was an opportunity to build a program from scratch. Like I had already been working for an accelerator program that was already operating. Mm -hmm. um, and they had kind of a hypothesis when they opened the New York office. So like, we'd like to develop a program um, to support international companies because a lot of um, NUMA's global portfolio when they got to a certain stage in size of maturity and funding, many of them were looking at how do I access the next stage of growth? Yeah. Um, do I enter new markets? Um, a lot of them, we had alumni that were already expanding to the US, but there wasn't a program that was really tailored and dedicated to their specific needs um, because it's a little bit different when you're coming from another country, you're at a different stage, you need different things, like adapting culturally is very different to the market. You have different regulatory and legal type challenges than a US-based startup would have. And so we developed a curriculum and a program that was very specifically tailored towards that type of company. So what's the what's the basic, I guess, path into Weave? I mean, so if I'm if I have a company over in in let's just say in the United Kingdom and we want to enter the US market and I'm reaching out to you, um, it, it's almost interesting, but the the model behind like an incubator, you know, you you always think about like early stage startups. So these mm -hmm. may be existing, you know, companies that are that are rolling that they just want to enter the new market. Are these truly startups that want to enter the U.S. market? They're more scale ups than startups a lot mm -hmm. of the time. So I would say most of our companies are around Series A or Series B already. Mm -hmm. So they already have anywhere between three thirty to like we've had companies that already have four hundred employees. We've had companies join our accelerator that have already raised twenty million. Um, so they're not true baby startups, right. which is part of why our model is different. So most of our companies, we don't take equity. Um, we're primarily fee-based for them mm -hmm. when they um, you know, select to apply and go through the program. But that's because when you're already raised to Series B, you know, taking that you know, typical 3 to 7% of equity is so much more valuable and expensive at that stage. But they still need the knowledge, the network, and the access that an accelerator provides. Yep. So we have 
a very different model for those companies. Um, and we take them through a selection process uh, because one of the things that's I think challenging about entering a new market is really making sure that you're prepared. Um, mm -hmm. the, I've seen companies make mistakes and you know expand too soon uh, before they're either financially ready or their team is stable enough for a founder to really focus on the market. And so a lot of what our selection process is doing is to help make sure that companies actually have a potential product market fit here, that they are actually ready for the US and that like we'd be able to be equipped to support them based on like their specific needs and objectives. So um, that's basically how we, how we work with those companies. It, it almost sounds like the way you describe it, it's almost like more of a, a, a market entry consultant than like an accelerator that, you know, you're like, you know, if you're, if you're taking somebody that, that is already rolling and you're, they're saying, okay, we want to consider, you know, doing this, which is different versus, you know, just really the startup mentality that says, you know, we're all, I don't care what it, vertical we're in, we're all starting up different levels, but you know, it's, it's aiming at, and it, it would be difficult in my mind, it'd be difficult to, to aim at the, at the class, you know, maybe you're having to group people by where they are in the process too. Yeah. So it, it's There's interesting. There's about 15 so they, questions in there, by the way. Yeah, no, so they're, they're right. I know. Um, so there, there are international like consultants for these types of startups. And we have a lot of like mentors that do that sort of work in our network. However, I would argue that we are still an accelerator because it's cohort based curriculum based mm, yeah. and taught by actual like industry incumbents. So um, everyone joins together at the same time. We are industry agnostic, so we will have different industries and mm -hmm. different countries in the same cohort. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like this current cohort, we have like a startup from uh, Hungary and we have one from the UK and, you know, they're coming from all over the place and they're all together at once. Um, the curriculum is like, I think important aspect. Like if you're a consultant, it's like one person advising you as, you know, a, a CEO or a founder on like the best path forward where um, for us, it's really more about like the network access. So yeah. having access to a large number of network, to different perspectives, um, curriculum on like marketing in the US, sales in the mm -hmm. US, how to hire in the US um, is really where, you know, kind of think the accelerator model um, comes in. And I think accelerator model can actually be applied to a lot of different things that aren't just startups. Um, I actually recently met, um, I, I, I got to speak at a class um, at like Yale, that was like focused on innovation and acceleration. And I met this girl who's also named Francis, uh, who's building an accelerator for um, artists and musicians um, that, uh, you know, as a way to sort of them to get funding for their projects, to help investors diversify the types of investments they make. And so mm. that's not startups at all, um, yep. but it's definitely, it's the same sort of accelerator model of access, network, capital, resources. Um, but yes, it's, it is a, a different sort of model than the traditional kind of old school. These are the early stage companies. Yeah. We are investing in them so that they, they grow where I oftentimes argue that that model where it's like the early stage investment, they're really more VCs than the accelerator. It's a VC that's using an accelerator model to help uh, expand the chances of success for their portfolio. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And but it sounds like to me that you have opinions. <laughs> well, no, and I, I think you're exactly right. And as you described it, I mean, you really have two completely different, you know, markets within your model. I mean, you know, you do have the the, the equity based, uh, you know, angel VC want to be interested in hopefully this is a unicorn versus, you know, somebody you're saying, you know, you, hey, you, you're paying us a fee, we're going to help you 
through our network of resources and curriculum and you know cohort and whatever all the, all the things together you know the the ecosystem that you've built around this you know like i think it's a probably a great descriptor but um it it is a it's a it's a real transition isn't it from working for numa to buying and leading wave or weave i'm sorry weave yeah tell me the <laughs> tell me what you've experienced like in the last 12 months going from employee to I'm the boss now. Yeah, it's interesting because I thought it would feel more different. Um, I, we've actually been able to operate, even when we were in NUMA New York, very independently of mm -hmm. NUMA Paris for a long time. Like, you know, and, and over time, they tried to also make us closer. And they were really, they had pivoted and stopped doing acceleration entirely. And they were doing, um, they're doing, and they're doing an amazing job doing more like management trainings. Um, where in the U.S. it's a very crowded market for that. And so our accelerator programs are working really well. Our work with international governments um, has been really doing well. And so they said, you know, why don't we find a good way to separate? And so um, this is clearly what you love. I, you know, I got to build this, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, even though I didn't own the business, I was up at night worrying about paying all of our employees. And, you know, because we were a French company, wasn't able to get access to things like the PPP loan. And so mm -hmm. like, yep. I've had a lot of responsive and to France, we were a US company, so we couldn't get any of that support either. So I've had like the weight of the company on my shoulders mm -hmm. for the last five years anyway. So it didn't really feel that different when I actually took on the company. No. But there are moments where it feels exciting. Like we went to Portugal to Web Summit and we hosted our first in-person cocktail because we were doing some like network and relationship building there. And we had our weave banners and it, you know, was like, wow, this is like really ours now to take on and kind of build in the direction that we want to go. Um, and there's moments like that where I'm like, oh, I can, we can, we don't, we're not restricted in, into where we can build this. Like, I don't need to ask permission to, you know, take this in the place that I have the vision to take it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really wonderful. And is it, with your model, is there a VC fund built into the model as well? Do you have your own VC fund or is there, are you working with private equity firm or what? So we currently, we refer our startups to other um, investors. Like we have a network of about 150, um, I think it's actually more now, investors that will like want access to our portfolio, come to our events, et cetera. Um, I, it is, I think me and my business partner's objective, like in the next couple of years to raise a fund, um, mm -hmm. to be able to invest or to co-invest in either the series A, series Bs or bridge rounds for the U S markets, uh, because it is a missed opportunity right. in a lot of ways. Like we've had exits in our portfolio of companies mm -hmm. and I don't always have participation in them. So all um, that money go out the door. <laughs> I know. Um, and I, and I, we love our companies and we do support them long-term. Um, but it would be nice to be able to do that um, and have that. We have warrants in a couple of the companies, mm -hmm. um, but really ultimately, I think having a fund would be a great way to continue to support their growth into the U.S. And it would also be, you know, advantageous for us. I, I want to tell our listeners to hit the pause button right here and rewind. And actually, if you're watching this on YouTube, so go back about a minute and a half when she first starts answering this question. When I ask her, you could see her look in the distance like, Yes, that is that is soon to be on our in our plans. So, she you could just see the gears turning in the founder's mind here. So I, I love that. Yeah, that's what a poignant moment in the middle of our in our chat here. That just you just kind of had an out of body experience there for a second. You know, it's like yeah, that's exactly where we need to head. So yeah, you're you're on it. So for sure. So I'm I'm really really curious about how 
working with international businesses versus international or like different countries governments what's what's that it like i mean those i can't imagine the bureaucracy that might you know be involved working with governments versus versus businesses but what is what does your model look like i mean what would a a, a the government of Italy want to do versus say, uh, you know, a tire manufacturer in Italy that wants to come into this market? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I actually really like working with the governments. Um, one of the things that I think is, is a difference between the US market and sort of the rest of the world and especially Europe is um, sort of the, the model of funding for companies. So most of the time you'll see a lot of like early stage companies in Europe They've never taken venture capital because they've been able to exist on funding and grants from the government. Like a lot mm -hmm. of startups globally are publicly funded, where in the U.S., no startups are really publicly yeah. funded, um, and it's all private capital, which you know has its benefits. And um, you know the valuations are really big here. This is an amazing market, all of that. Um, you know, and the startups want access to that from Europe, but it is just like a very, very different, um, you know, way of of approaching it. And so. Working with the governments is actually great, the international governments, because they are very aligned with the objectives of helping their companies from their country export, because they know that that brings back, you know, if they have a, a unicorn in the US that brings back returns to the investors sure. and their employees and talent there, then it actually can help fuel economic growth for mm -hmm. countries around the world. And so it's there is definitely bureaucracy. So when we work with the governments, there's definitely a lot more you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. We answer like a lot of times, you know, there's these large public tenders that we have to answer and compete for bids for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was working on one today. And it's like 20 pages long um, with all these details and our use cases. Um, and then when it comes to reporting, like there's a lot more details that they need mm -hmm. to justify the public funding and making sure that the program is a success. Um, but it's a, it's a great opportunity for us to customize the programs. I think it's great for the startups because they then don't have to fund the expansion themselves. Um, right. They're able to then get that support and that financing from the government to continue to fuel their growth, which is, I think, a great opportunity. Um, so that's really great. And then when we work with corporates, um, you know, I think it's it's similar. There's different kind of initiatives and objectives that they have. Um, you know, and they the U.S. is a very hot market still. It's like this is there's so much opportunity. It's such a big market. It's very crowded. There's everything here. And so that like American dream of like accessing the innovation and opportunity here, I think whether you're a corporate government or startup, um, is is still paramount. Yeah. I I would I could not agree with you more. I I think, you know, I've we've I've talked to people from 30 different countries, you know, in the startup space. And it it is really interesting when they when they talk about a lot of times of the U.S. market versus you know the the market they may exist in right now. There's this always like, you know, it would be great if we could access that if we could just kind of add that to our you know to our portfolio of, of markets. And um, I mean, I, I've actually interviewed people that uh, like there was a, a guest I had. I I'm guessing about a year ago that is uh, in the, a Norway, you know, kind of incubator here in the states. You know that are. Yep. trying to get Norwegian, you know, companies to, to come and, and access the talent pool, access, you know, resources and markets, you know, here. And that's the, that's their whole job is just, you know, kind of yeah. making that bridge connection. So it, it is really interesting to, uh, to kind of hear your story. And I, if you had to kind of prognosticate a little bit, you know, what is, what is Weave going to look like in 24 months or 60 months from now, or, you know, what is, what is your dream of, of where you're headed as a, as a, as a company, as an organization? Yeah, 
Um, I mean, right now we're at a moment where, you know, we're still growing. And now that we have our ability to really focus in on um, what we do well, <laughs> which is really great. Um, I mean, I think right now my big focus is to really just like get our revenue lines and our team, like we're growing, we're hiring right now, like really solid um, because right now we actually have, we have so much opportunity, mm -hmm. <laughs> like deals at the moment um, and we don't have enough team. Um, so mm -hmm. like really it's like, we're having like growing problems, which is a, which is good problems to have, but really like where we want to be going with this is, you know, as I mentioned, the venture capital fund is a really important piece of this so that we continue to grow, but like our main focus is being sort of the main support system um, and connector for all international um, to the US. Mm. Uh, we're looking also expanding further and deeper into the West Coast, which we've started to do mm -hmm. as well, you know, because we're very located in New York, right. um, but US is a big country. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. a lot of times when startups come, not just about New York, or even sometimes not just about the West Coast either, yep. depending on where, you know, you're coming from or your industry, Texas might be better if you're doing oil Austin and gas. Magnet yeah. right now yeah yeah or like you know um health tech and pharmaceutical is wonderful in boston and so mm -hmm. really kind of growing also our um access to for these startups into different areas of the country is also a big priority yeah i i would i can certainly see that and I, it's interesting i mean even like i said even guests that i would interview you know from from other countries that are that talk about entering the u.s market you would think okay we're landing in new york we're landing in silicon valley you know, maybe Austin. And they're like, no, actually, I'm going to Des Moines, Iowa. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're looking at, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you know, that, that the whole idea of yeah. you know, where their customers are. And, and it's inter interesting to, to hear that. But I, uh, I do want to transition a little bit right now. This is, uh, this is such an important part of, of Rising Tide's uh, interview process is really kind of letting founders, letting startup, you know, CEOs really teach kind of the next gen, you know, behind them. And, you know, I talked a little bit about this off offline. I'm curious to hear what your answer is going to be, but, you know, tell, just give us a couple of things that, that are just come to mind and you say, you know what, I, I wish this would have been different. I wish I could have done this differently type thing, but, and I think it would really benefit, you know, somebody that is, you know, maybe in your place 18 months ago or 12 months ago or whatever, just two, you know, golden nuggets of things that, that I think would be really helpful, regardless of the industry or vertical. Yeah. Um, gosh, I think entrepreneurship is such a, a mindset challenge all of the time. Um, like it's, it's, you know, owning your own business can feel really glamorous. People want to start mm. companies because it seems like a, a glamorous thing to do. Um, but it's, it's really, it's really hard um, in a lot of ways. And I think you know, uh, I, I talk a lot about fear um, and sort of wrestling and grappling with your fear and what you do with it. Um, like there was, for example, you know, and, and I'm, I, I, I've always said the thing that you, well, someone else said this, but the, the thing that you should be most fear of is, or afraid of is fear itself mm -hmm. because it's so limiting. Um, and there are times where making a decision feels really hard because I'm scared or, um, scared of like the unknown and it's like constantly fighting and battling those instincts of fear because usually if you're afraid of something that's often the thing that you should do mm -hmm. so for example when it came time to like start having the conversations about where the company was going because you know the the education stuff that you know Paris was doing Numa Paris was doing really well with wasn't really working well in the U.S. Um, it was hard for my team because a lot of what they were doing on the accelerator side they're like if the 
company is supposed to be going towards education. Like, should we be doing this? But mm. that's also what was working successfully. Um, and, you know, I had, I was, I was afraid. I was afraid of having the hard conversations with Numa Paris at the time to be like, this isn't working. And I probably delayed that conversation by like six months because of fear. <laughs> mm. Because I, you know, in my mind, you know, like I have, um, I have some like, you know, autoimmune health conditions. And I was worried, like, if I lose my job, like, how am I going to pay for my, my health insurance? Mm. And like, you know, you have those like real things and yeah. you're, you know, like it's, and it's hard, like you need almost being able to be an entrepreneur is almost a privileged position because, mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes you do actually need a safety net. Yep. Is this, otherwise, what are you going to do? It's like golden handcuffs. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, you know, I was worried that if I had these conversations or pushed back too hard that, you know, what if they replaced me as the mm. MD and CEO of the office, which could happen if they were really passionate about that direction. And so like, I knew that I was, I was behaving with fear. Um, I knew I was, I was like, I'm, I'm not doing the thing that I want to be doing and I'm afraid and I know I'm afraid. So I like found an alternative route, which was for me, actually at the time, I, I didn't want another job, but I started applying for other jobs because I, I felt like if I had something that was in my back pocket mm -hmm. and I was already interviewing and they fired me, then it would be fine. Um, even though that was, that was not really what I wanted to do. I didn't really want another job, which then gave me the kind of confidence to then have yeah. that conversation with them and say, look, like if this is where we're going, I, I don't know that it makes sense to have the New York office. Like, you know, if you were a startup, we're not ready for the US. Like, I think you guys are doing amazing work. I think down the line, you're ready for the US mm -hmm. um, and, and can expand there. But like, I think it's not gonna work for what we're doing. And it was received so much better because like things always work out usually better than you expect in your head when yeah. you're scared, like the worst yeah. case scenario. Mm. And they were so open to it and so supportive and were just excited about us, about us taking this next journey and were like amazing advocates for us. And so, you know, it's, I think the number one thing that I would say is like conquering your fear and navigating through fear and moving the next step forward, even though you're scared, you're never not going to be scared mm. ever. It's just taking that next step. Um, and so I would say it's a constant battle, but like I should have done that way sooner um, if I, you know, hadn't been so scared or recognized I was that, scared that sooner. Huge. <laughs> that one, that one is huge. And I, I mean, you can stop at one if, if that's the, the one that comes to mind because it's such a, it's such a huge, you know, kind of all encompassing, you know, I mean, I, I literally wrote embrace and chase, you know, fear mm, mm -hmm. you know the not not only just acknowledge that it's there but but literally you know almost run into it versus running away from it you know because i, yeah. I love what you said the, the idea that you know that's probably the thing you should do the thing you're most yeah. scared of is probably the thing you should do oh and it applies to so many things like if you're if you're unhappy at your job but you're scared of applying for new jobs and of the change so that's probably what you should do like a lot of times <laughs> your fear is telling you something you know <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it no doubt about it well I, we, we've chatted about so many different things and I, I mean there are so many other things i could ask you about but i i do want to respect your time as well i mean you've got a company to run and i, I want to respect <laughs> that but uh, anything that we haven't touched on that you just want to want to close this out with today and then you know just remind our audience where the best place to find you online is. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to connect with anyone. Um, I think that's an important aspect of it, like running a community and network. Um, it's a resource. And so I'm, I'm happy to connect with anybody that is listening that would like to chat about anything because I've had so much support and help in my career from mm. people that I'm always happy to help others. I think also too, like that's actually 
So the things that I loved about music previously, which was that collaboration mm -hmm. and building something beautiful together, I now have with what I do, running an accelerator. So For it's sure. um, so connection, collaboration, I think is a really important thing. So happy to help. Um, and best way to reach me, you can find me on LinkedIn um, and Francis Simowitz, uh, or you can email me at francis at weaveacceleration.com. Well, Francis, thank you so much for just taking time to, to share with us today. And, and it's going to be really fun to kind of watch the, the growth trajectory and the, the upward right hockey stick growth of Weave Acceleration. And uh, once again, just thanks for taking time and just really playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Francis, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.